Today on the Arts Report, we've got Olympian poet Shane Koizan on the show, plus a celebration of terrible writing. It's so bad, it's funny, and it's called Say What? And after a hugely successful run, Tape is back at the Waldorf, plus an art show using bicycle parts and poetry inspired by Samuel Beckett. So stay with us. Oh yeah, and free tickets to Vancouver Fashion Week. And welcome to the Arts Report for April the 13th, 2011. My name is Adam Janusz, and I am your host for uh, your weekly arts and culture fix here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca right now as well. Now, uh, I'm just uh, clicking... Clicking and clacking, yes, mm, yes, excuse me. I am just working on our Facebook page. Yes, we have a Facebook page now at, uh, at the Arts Report. Um, you can just type in uh, Arts Report or even Arts Report on CITR into the search bar on Facebook and you will find our lovely page which uh, once it you know really gets up and running will have uh, links to the podcast latest podcasts uh, links to other events and what's really exciting is that now we can have sort of better coverage of, um, of things going around going on around town that aren't necessarily um, promoted by fancy uh, publicists because you know I, I get um, I get a lot of email to uh, of people wanting to you know want me to cover events, but there's a lot that goes under the radar, you know, um, things that don't arrive in my inbox but are exciting and interesting and uh, and happening in the city. So now we get to um, do a better job of covering that stuff too. So we're super excited, um, and we want you to check it out. So go to Facebook right now and uh, type in Arts Report on CITR, become a fan, and uh, and get the latest from there. Now, uh, we've got an awesome show for you, including, as I mentioned at the top there, we've got Shane Koizan, who, if you don't know, is one of the greatest spoken word artists ever. And if you haven't seen him, uh, you really need to. I mean, billions of people saw him at the Olympic ceremonies for uh, Vancouver uh, 2010. So I don't know what your excuse is if you haven't. Um, and he's bringing a show to the culture. So there you go. You'll have a chance to see him at the culture. It's called When I Was a Kid. And uh, we'll talk about his uh, not-so-happy childhood growing up in uh, Penticton, B.C. We'll also uh, talk about something called Say What?, which isn't just my crazy way of pronouncing it. That is, that is, how, that is a correct way. I double-checked with uh, Sarah Bino. That is the way you say it. It's called Say What?, and it's a celebration of terrible writing. So we'll find out what that means and, um, and, and get the scoop from her directly. She'll, we'll have an interview with her on the show uh, as well. Uh, tape, uh, this was a 2009 Fringe show, um, an exciting uh, dramatic feature done inside the walls of a small hotel room at uh, the Waldorf. And it's back. It's, um, it's coming back next week. Uh, in the Waldorf, and now that it's been beautifully uh, renovated, it's it's going to be better than ever. And we'll talk to Marissa Smith, who uh, is bringing that show, as well as bringing back Wicked Shorts, which was at uh, the Vancouver Fringe Festival in uh, September of last year, 2010. And she won a slew of awards for that. And uh, so we'll we'll get up to speed on um, what she's learned. What have you learned? It's like a report card. We're gonna. What have you been doing with your Fringe show? Um, 
um, that's my cranky mother, fringe mother voice. What have you been doing? And uh, we'll also tell you about an art show that uses uh, bicycle parts. It's happening down in the sub, the Student Union building at UBC, the AMS Art Gallery, and uh, features bicycles, bicycles and bicycle parts and video projections of bicycles. Um, it's going to be great. I went down there earlier today and, uh, and got the scoop on that. Plus, last but not least... We have a book of poetry that is inspired by Samuel Beckett, the famous absurdist playwright and poet. And um, this book is kind of uh, loosely, I, don't, I, can't, I can't say loosely based, but it's it sort of, it, it, it takes inspiration from the life and works of Samuel Beckett and spins new works of poetry that, uh, that are inspired by, by that. So we got uh, tons on the show. Um, the phone was ringing. Uh, a few weeks ago, the phone rang in the studio, and it ab- absolutely scared the bejesus out of me because um, normally the phone is on mute, obviously, so you can't hear it ring. Um, and that freaked the crap out of me. There was, there was the phone was ringing, um, and I'm sorry, I can't answer it because, uh, because I'm doing the show. But if you do want um, free tickets, uh, dear person trying to reach the in-studio line, if you want free tickets to uh, the Vancouver, Vancouver Fashion Week, uh, we want to give you uh, that away, a VIP pass, no less. A VIP, I think two VIP passes to Vancouver Fashion Week. Uh, that's going on uh, very soon. No, it's going on right now, excuse me. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, it started yesterday. And uh, so there's this pass, this VIP pass will get you to anything and everything at Vancouver Fashion Week. But we'll give that away in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. So you'll have to stay tuned. So, so uh, yeah, call us at uh, the time that is appropriate and not when I'm on the air. Now, before we get going with the show, did you see the, uh, the election debate, the federal election debate last night? <sighs> that's that's the only thing. That's the only comment I can make. It's just a, it's just a depressed sigh. This whole election is just one big uh, sigh. <laughs> I got carried away with my sigh there. Excuse me, but you know, I saw about ten minutes of it, and then I saw the the highlights uh, afterward, and. You know, they're saying nobody really won, and then there's poll results today that say Harper is doing better than ever because of debates. Meanwhile, the Globe and Mail says nobody's really moved at all since the debates. Uh, People I've talked to who have watched it were not really impressed by anything or anybody. Perhaps the most interesting thing was that uh, Jack Layton used the word hashtag fail in reference to, to Twitter, where you can sort of uh, put little markings on phrases so that, they, so that you can see when they're trending on Twitter. And, and it's just, you know, the most depressing thing for me is, in my opinion, how terrible Harper is and how no one seems to care. You know, there's uh, news every day of some uh, fraud allegations in, uh, in his government or somebody in his party who's getting in trouble uh, what was it the other day? Uh, they were accused of wasting um, uh, mi- millions or billions for uh, the GHG20 summit uh, last year. So all this stuff keeps popping out of the woodwork, and you'd think, gee, well, this is going to affect his chances in the election. Mm-mm. Nope. His supporters are uh, rock solid. Uh, maybe they have rocks uh, for brains and are, are unaffected by news or, or facts of any kind. I, I don't know, but... It almost, it's just, you know, in in theater, uh, the audience is a big part. Theater, dance, performance, art, the audience is a big part 
of the show. And I, I'm starting to feel like the Canadian audience in this election is just not in it. Like, well, they're not, in, they're not there. A lot of, uh, if you look at the uh, voting uh, patterns in the last few years, uh, more and more seats in this election theater are empty. And the people who are there are just kind of just as- asleep. Are we all asleep? I mean, I feel that way. I feel like, I feel like who cares at this point? Like, I'm getting tired of just being ABC, you know, anything but Harper. How many, how many elections can you be anything but Harper before you're like, screw it. I'm just not going to vote for anybody. <sighs> and anyway, in terms of arts, uh, I heard the liberal platform uh, gets a thumbs up for its uh, promotion of the arts. They're going to raise the Canada Council of the Arts funding, etc., etc. Um, so I guess that's good. On Oh Wow Dang Records, this is uh, new from Those Darlings. Their album's called Screw. Screws Get Loose. We're hearing Be Your Bro from Those Darlings. You're going to dig it as much as I do. Maybe even more. Nah, maybe not. But you're still going to love it.
new from the transmitters jimmy's at the mod shop one of two singles you'll find in the finder uh, record stores and i'm sure they're going to be at neptune records where the transmitters are going to be performing live at 4:15 in the afternoon on saturday uh, to get them pre- well, not that they really need to get prepared but uh to again we'll loosen them up a little bit for the evening show which is taking place at malone's with um what did i what did i say already oh yeah forget chemicals and something fierce and of course time cops saturday night and uh Back to the indie record store day. Let me just kind of fill you in. I played Young Mums earlier. They're going to kick things off at 11 a.m. Also, well, Transmitters, I said 4.15. Belladines, I played. They're going to be on at 5 o'clock. Petroleum Byproducts on at 7.15. Hospital Blonde. Actually, you want to not make sure you don't miss those fine peeps. They're on at 6.30. Go to the uh, Neptune.com for more info for their independent record store day afternoon performances this Saturday. Arch Report coming up in just a few short minutes and on this evening's Arts Report spoken word artist Shane Koizan is going to be talking about his new show that's going to be happening at the Colch. It's called When I Was a Kid and also on the Arts Report an exhibition that takes place, uh, takes spare bike parts and turns them into art here at UBC. And one of the many other things you're going to hear on this evening's Arts Report, you're going to hear about a book of poetry inspired by absurdist playwright Samuel Beckett. That and a whole lot more coming up in a few short minutes. I'm going to leave you with one more tune. It's by The Fiends. They're going to be performing without Greg Johnson, of course. They're going to be on at 8 o'clock at Neptune Records. 8 p.m. that is... Here's The Fiends. I'll see you next week. Don't forget the podcast, CITR.ca. Stay tuned for the Arts Report, and I'll be back next Wednesday afternoon.
ask you what um, what is your gripe with this casino? What is your main um, complaint? I just don't think that that's the way you know any city should be heading in terms of you know how do we offset spending for like I mean all these you know sort of things that we need. Um, I live in Penticton. We have a casino here, and you know we live in a community that is currently dying. So I don't think it's going to save Vancouver. And the thing about putting a casino in the heart of the city, that then becomes the heart of the city. And do you really want this sort of, you know, I don't want to, well, I guess cancerous may be the best way to put it, um, the sort of center of, of Vancouver where it's like, I mean, you know, like it's it's proven. Like, I mean, casinos, gambling leads to a higher crime rate. It leads to, you know, gambling addiction. There's just, there's so many negatives and there are not enough positives. And even the positives that they say we'll gain from it, these are promises that haven't been kept for, you know, I can't, I can't remember any promises being kept. So, In terms of uh, what kinds of benefits, I guess the financial ones? Yeah, the financials for the, you know, the cities or the charities that need them. And you look at, like, I mean, okay, Vancouver, you know, or BC persons living with AIDS. They were the first ones to speak out against right. the casino, and then they got slammed by losing, you know, uh, a huge chunk of their their. Their grant from yeah. the gaming commission. It's like, well, you know, if you really want to play these bullying sort of, you know, political games, then you know, I think that's a pretty clear sign that it's like, you know, we're being bullied. I think that's that's the main thing. And I, growing up, I have a problem with that. Mm. You know, it's happened to me often enough. I don't think it should happen to an entire city. Wow. Well said. Um, well, that's all we have uh, have time for. Is there anything else you'd want to add uh, about anything? Let may speak at the debate. Aha. Good God. Yeah, we have an election coming up, and Elizabeth May is uh, not being allowed to participate, even though they let her uh, participate the last time around. I know. It makes absolutely no sense. And, you know, it really just shows that, you know, maybe they're scared that the Green Party is gaining power right now or that people are starting to listen to them and maybe people are looking for, you know, a viable option in terms of, you know, how Canada should be led or where Canada should be going. And I think it's such a shame that they're not at least willing. I think it's, it just puts democracy on, you know, like behind closed doors now. You know, it's like if you're not going to let everybody who deserves to speak have a chance to speak, then, you know, I think that speaks volumes in terms of where we're heading. And I just think it's a complete shame. And the wrong, the wrong direction. So I'm guessing you're not voting conservative this time around. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, they should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks so much for that. I, I appreciate actually you threw that in because it's uh, certainly timely. And uh, and I think there is a, an online petition that, that people can find uh, to support Elizabeth May being allowed in the debates. So, um, so yeah, thanks for bringing that up, and, and I appreciate your time. Oh, cheers. Thank you so much for having me, man. And that's Shane Koizan, ahead of his show at the College called When I Was a Kid. Uh, I mentioned in the interview that there is a petition to have Elizabeth May in the debates, but of course the debates are already underway, and uh, I saw on the news last night Elizabeth May in her little press conference outside of the debating uh, chamber where all the, the big kids were debating, and here was poor Elizabeth May. Uh, shut outside doing a press conference and had to throw in some commentary, um, you know, by herself, not not in the main room. She couldn't uh, address directly any of the leaders. All she had was a little uh, hastily organized press conference. And that is just depressing. It's just, uh, because 
You know, just the idea that a bunch of uh, gray-haired suits uh, that represent the television networks are making decisions about our political leaders of our nation, who can speak and who cannot be heard, and that we as Canadians have no uh, ability to have any say in that. In fact, we do. Uh, when we do speak and do have a say, we say, we want her in. A huge majority of, of polled uh, Canadians say that they wanted the leader of the Green Party to be included in the debates. And did they listen? No. <sighs> It's very sad. It's very sad and very frustrating. But um, but uh, let us let us not think of that. Let us think of um, much more um, inspiring things. Inspiring things like when I was a kid, done at uh, the historic theater at the Colch, featuring the wonderful Shane Coyzan. That is coming April fourteenth to the sixteenth at eight p.m. each of those nights. On April the 15th, there will be a post-show talkback. And tickets for that are $28, and they are available from the Culture's box office um, and available online at tickets.theculture.com. You can get more information from our blog, citr.ca. All right. It started with stumbled upon two smutty novels, and now it's a monthly showcase of literature that is so bad, it's good. Vocabulary and passages so bizarre, they make you exclaim, say what? The Vancouver Poetry Festival is coming, and one featured event is called, yes, say what? No, sorry, say what? Readings of deliciously rotten writing, hosted by Sarah Bino. Sarah is no stranger to a public celebration of bad writing. She also does a show called Teen Angst, where adults go on stage and read their old diaries and essays from when they were teenagers, uh, preferably stuff that's as cringeworthy and embarrassing as possible. Say What focuses on published work, getting actors, slam poets, even burlesque dancers to read badly written prose with gusto in front of an audience. Sarah's bringing a best-of compilation to the Poetry uh, Festival, and we talked about why she's so fascinated with bad writing. But first, what goes into finding uh, readers for this kind of material? Well, number one, um, funny. They have to be uh, comedically-minded people. Um, but you don't only have comedians, you have, like, burlesque no. dancers. Uh, yes, sometimes, yes, they have been on. Um, people that are, you know, interesting personalities, people mm -hmm. that um, do read or <laughs> appreciate terrible reading. Um, anyone that is just engaging and charismatic, I'm sort of open to any sort of comedic performer. Mostly, though, improvisers have been very successful. Comics have been funny. But, I mean, sometimes comics can't work with other material. Like, they have their own jokes. Right. So you have to be able to look at a book and see the awful humor within it and sometimes just let the book speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of speaking for itself, how do you pronounce the name of this event? <laughs> the show is called Say What? <laughs> I thought so. I thought That's so. right. Readings you... of deliciously rotten writing. So you have to go Say What? Exactly. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure I had that right. <laughs> and uh, it, it is how it reads with a question mark exclamation afterwards. Totally. I totally see that. <laughs> so give us a sense of um, of what it, uh, what it feels like to be at one of these events because it, it takes elements of like a, a script reading, uh, mm -hmm. also like a poetry slam, and then just, just bold-faced mockery of bad writing. Um, so, oh, that's a good question. What does it feel like? It feels like hilarity ensues. Um, I mean, the the vibe is pretty 
lighthearted. I mean, people don't really heckle anyone. People <laughs> like to repeat, you know, things that have been said. And one thing I encourage everyone to do is throughout the readings is to exclaim their own, say, wah, because everyone has their own moments that they find ridiculous. So oh, it's great okay. to sort of see the reactions throughout the crowd. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And and what what is that moment? That moment of say wah, like, <laughs> what what is it happening? Is it just because the writing is just so horrendous, or or is it? Or is there more going on there? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Sometimes, like, the dialogue is ridiculous. Um, Eric Fell brought up a book recently that the plot was, it's set in the year 2012, so the end of the Mayan calendar. Um, <laughs> there are vampires and men with the souls of dinosaurs. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. So the plot itself was say just what? Say what? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's, okay, so there's that's, one example. You know, I, I, you know what? I think I have a dinosaur soul. I think that would explain a lot in yeah. my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and they were actually like real dinosaurs trapped in the souls, like some sort of. Oh, this was literal. I, yeah, I don't really remember. It was just so bizarre and so crazy. Huh. And uh, it's a trilogy, so hopefully we'll get another book again. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now here's a big question for you. Why celebrate bad writing? <laughs> Why? idea came about when I was in a hostel in Bath, um, and I found this really terrible uh, romance novel. So I was in the UK, and it was a Harlequin Mills and Boone, so had, you know, British accents, and um, <laughs> the dialogue was just so bad, and the whole weekend I shared it with my friends, and we laughed and enjoyed ourselves, and they started sending me more books to read to them, and uh, I think, you know, by appreciating bad books, you really appreciate good books. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what if you're, you're an uh, aspiring writer and you go to this event and you see all these people laughing hysterically at bad writing? You might think, oh, no, I don't ever want to do that. Do, do, does it yeah. help? Does it help to I, see well, this? Well, I think, bad... so. I mean, I myself am uh, working on my first novel. Yeah. I have a master's in creative writing, so I think I do have the authority to judge <laughs> what is good and bad. Granted, I mean, it kind of is in the eye of the beholder. Sure. Um, Steve Burgess recently read a book called Shantaram, which is a bestseller. Right. And there were people in the audience that were like, I don't think it's that bad. I enjoyed that book. And oh. I kind of like the idea that it creates controversy. Controversy, yeah. I mean, as a writer, it does sort of make you aware that someone may read your work out loud and make fun of it. Right, right. And you I know, guess there is that award for, like, the bad um, erotica uh-huh. in, you know, fiction. Right. So it's like the bad romance novel that, you know very popular writers will be submitted for this terrible award. And maybe in a way it can be a good kind of release to not be so so terrified of bad writing. To, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not so bad. You can always just laugh at it, I guess. Exactly. And sometimes these books, like The Men with the Souls of Dinosaurs, <laughs> are actually quite popular. Uh, there is a market for it. Yeah. But there's also a space called Say Whoa, well, where people can come and laugh at it. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, we're out of time, but thanks so much for, uh, for giving us um, some, some insight into that. You're very welcome. And that's Sarah Bino telling us about Say What? All right, that was the last time I'll say that. I, I, I promise. That is coming Thursday, April the 21st, to the Roots Lounge, which is 1025 Commercial Drive, 730. Doors open show begins at 8, and tickets are $10 for that. And for information on this event and tickets, etc., go to VancouverPoetryFestival.com, which is also a great place to learn about the other events uh, that are happening from April 18th until the 23rd. There will be uh, readings from uh, poets. There will be music. There will be workshops, uh, the Canadian Individual Poetry Slam Finals, 
and lots more. So that's April 18th until the 23rd, and there's tons of events. So go to VancouverPoetryFestival.com to learn more and uh, and check out say check out that show that I'm not going to say again. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will tell you about uh, an art show that harnesses the power of uh, used bicycle parts. So stay with us, please. Uh, But first we're going to play an ad, which has to uh, unfreeze from the computer. There it is. (laughs) The Georgia Strait, CITR 101.9 FM, Boutique Empire, and the Biltmore Cabaret are proud to present the Sex with Strangers CD release party, Thursday, April 14th. Local legends Sex with Strangers want to celebrate their latest release, Frontier Justice, with you. Yes, you. Joining in the party will be Run with the Herd and Joyce Collingwood, plus the world premiere of The Controlling Boyfriends and DJ sets by Guilty About Girls. How, oh how can I be a part of this, you're wondering. Well, advanced tickets are available at Zulu, Red Cat, Neptune, and online at ticketweb.ca. Doors at 8, show at 9. Don't miss the Sex with Strangers CD release party, Thursday, April 14th at the Biltmore Cabaret. Hey, you're listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We're also streaming online at citr.ca. We also do a weekly podcast, that is to say, this show. So if you've missed any of our program, like uh, if you're just joining us right now, for example, you can catch uh, everything that you've missed and uh, get the scoop on local events. Uh, You can get that from citr.ca. Under today's blog post at the very bottom, it says, uh, click here to subscribe to our podcast. And you can click there to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, okay, so we still got uh, tons of show for you, including this one. The Bike Co-op at UBC is perhaps best known for its bike share program on campus and maybe less known for the artwork they occasionally showcase. Well, now they've teamed up with the Sub Art Gallery to do a whole showcase called the Spare Parts Bike Art Show. We're talking wheels, frames, pedals, inner tubes, everything. I popped into the Sub Art Gallery to have a look and spoke to Justine Little, the program coordinator. Here she is talking about how recycling and art are going hand-to-hand in this project. A lot of our members are really concerned about the environment, um, and through maintaining bicycles, there are often parts that you do have to throw away. Um, Sometimes you can recycle them, but a lot ends up in the landfill, like old inner tubes um, and old metal parts. And so people like to get creative with these parts and try and repurpose them. Mm -hmm. Um, So is that what we see here? Is everything in the gallery uh, bike parts? uh, A lot of it is. Like one of my, I think one of my favorite pieces is just a pile of inner tubes that's in the middle of the room here. Yeah. Um, and people are free to cut them and make things. I've seen people make a little lizard out of the inner tubes. Some, wow. A few headbands have been created. So it's just sort of a, a tabletop with uh, a big pile of inner tubes and <laughs> um, and scissors. And yeah. it says, cut the tubes. Yes, it does. So you can be an artist in the art show. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was kind of the idea for the show, is to show people that art isn't something that's necessarily separate from them. It's something that everyone create, can create, um, and it's important to play around with that because uh, not enough people get to express themselves artistically, especially on campus. We're always sitting around um, 
writing essays, and that's not really nurturing our whole mind. Um, <laughs> so this is a good way to kind of yeah, um, get some um, extra nourishment. We also have a table in the corner that I have deemed the crafting table, where mm-hmm. people can draw pictures and write stories. So it's very interactive. Um, and we have someone made a chessboard that's made out of um, an old piece of wood and old bike parts as all of the, the figures. Pieces. Oh my god. Okay. So you're encouraged to play chess. Uh, a local artist, Sophia um, from UBC, made a nest out of inner tubes as well that you're encouraged to sit in and interact with. Yeah, and there's some people here in the gallery and they are not shy to uh, to try things out and that's encouraged. Yeah, definitely. Most encouraged. And there's one piece here where uh, it's, uh, it's a bike that you can sit in and uh, projected on the screen in front of it is like, I think it's uh, San Francisco in like 1910 or something. Yeah. Uh, just like a street scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that bike is called a Bach Feet. Uh, it's really popular in the Netherlands. People carry children and groceries in it. Oh, because it has a sort of wheelbarrow in the it front of it. It has kind of a wheelbarrow in the front of it. Um, and we use that for buying supplies for events and parties, um, carrying friends around. And, um, <laughs> I just had this image of everyone at the bike, uh, the bike kitchen use bikes for everything. <laughs> we try to. Yeah, we really do a good job of that. Um, and the movies are kind of fun because they show street scenes from a while ago when bicycles were a more dominant form of transportation. Right now, um, people cycle more as a form of sports, and it's not integrated into daily commutes as much mm-hmm. as it used to be because uh, our culture is really centered around cars. The car, yeah, and in the video, it's uh, it's really a shared space between cars, pedestrians, bikes, trams, and they're all just sort of chaotically milling and sharing the road space. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the best system, but it's <laughs> it's interesting to reflect back and see like how much how times, how have much times have changed, and maybe are changing back a little with the amount of um, bike lanes that are increasing yeah. throughout downtown and the city of Vancouver. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes to tell us about the show. Yeah, no worries. It was my pleasure. And that is Justine, Justine Little, the program coordinator for the Spare Parts Bike uh, Art Show. And that's happening uh, in the sub, uh, the Student Union building here at uh, UBC. And it's going on only until Friday, April the 15th. So check it out while you can. It is uh, free. So all you have to do is uh, find the sub. It's right by the UBC bus loop. Uh, If you can make it to the bus loop, just ask where's the sub. And um, you can find it. And uh, it's got some cool interactive uh, components. So um, check that out. A uh, show to tell you about that's, uh, that's coming to the fire hall, Mambo Italiano. And that's coming April 13th until April the 30th. And uh, that's directed by Donna Spencer. And um, should, be, should be a good show. So uh, we'll, we'll get you an interview on that in, uh, in the week's ahead. Um, what else can I tell you about? Next week's show will feature Dress Me Up. In Your Love, revealing sexy and sometimes startling theater replacement once again delves into the world of biographical examination with their latest performance, Dress Me Up In Your Love. Using distinct garments collected from around the world, performers dress and undress to reveal text, song, movement, and animation, the stories behind the clothes and the closets they came from. 
So, uh, yeah, that's coming up. When is this coming up? Uh, April 19th. April 19th until the 23rd. Uh, tickets for that will be 15 bucks. They are available now if you want to go to the uh, dot com. And, uh, yeah, so great stuff. But uh, we still got... Uh, more show for you, including a book of poetry inspired by Samuel Beckett. But first, I'll tell you about this. At the end of the Fringe Festival last fall, there is an award ceremony. Marissa Smith walked away with not one, but two of those awards. In fact, uh, two rubber chickens, which is the trophy that they give out. She won the Cultivating the Fringe Award for her play Wicked Shorts. That means the cult will host another run of that play, uh, their season opener, no less, coming up this fall. Marissa also picked up the Joanna Morata Award for mentorship. Uh, but amidst all that... She's also remounting a play called Tape at the Waldorf. Uh, that was out in 2009. It got rave reviews at that year's Fringe. Uh, it was completely sold out and held over. The, the Georgia Strait called it fantastically authentic. The Courier called it the, one of the best shows of the year. And uh, more and more and more and more. So obviously a lot to talk about with uh, Marissa. And uh, we started with uh, a little bit about uh, Wicked Shorts. Well, originally it was a site-specific show at Wicked mm -hmm. Cafe. Mm -hmm. And we commissioned our, or we put out a call for submissions for uh, short plays, uh, two-handers, to be done. And we chose four of them. Mm -hmm. And that was what made up Wicked Shorts at the Wicked Cafe uh, for the Fringe. And it was a site-specific BYOV thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, coming up at the Cult we're uh, going to restage the show in their studio. So we're going to uh, transform their culture lab into a culture cafe. No way. Yeah, yeah. And sort of recreate that BYOV feel. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh. It it's should be really interesting because I'm going to add a lot of lighting mm. um, to kind of uh, create atmosphere. Mm-hmm. In that space, and uh, and we're gonna more bring in than you could in a in a cafe, maybe. Right? Yeah, 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 totally. And there's a bit more room, so mm -hmm. uh, the actors can kind of enter and exit from in and around the audience. And there'll be tables and chairs, so you'll feel like you're in this sort of cafe cabaret yeah. type setting. So we'll be serving uh, cocktails. I hope so. <laughs> Definitely, they're, we're trying. They're trying to get licensing for inside the right? space. Um, but if not, you can always bring your drink from from the hmm. bar. I meant that as a lobby. joke, but no, no, seriously, serious. yeah, you can have a drink while you're watching the show. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, and so that that'll be coming up. Um, <laughs> Uh, later, but for now, you are busy, busy, busy uh, gearing up for another show, and this is Tape, which is another uh, remount. Yes. Tell us about this one. Um, this is happening at the Waldorf Hotel, mm -hmm. and uh, we originally uh, staged it uh, in 2009 at the Fringe, mm -hmm. and we sold out our run and held over and sold out the holdover, and uh, it was just a fantastic experience. It's a wonderful script by Stephen Belber. And what do you think uh, resonated really with audiences? Like, this was done in a hotel room at mm -hmm. the Waldorf and will be again, although in a different room yeah. this time, a little, a little, a few changes here and there. Um, yeah, what do you think it was about this show that really uh, captured audiences' uh, um, attention? Well, probably the site-specific nature of it. Like you, it's an 18-person audience. Hmm. Um, you all go into this hotel room, and for one hour, it all happens in real time. There's no blackouts or transitions. Mm -hmm. It's just everything's happening right in front of you. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're just part of it. And there's these three characters that are uh, kind of 
battling back and forth about an issue that happened in the past. You mm. don't really know who's wrong and who's right and what the real reality of the situation is. Mm. Um, but there's some pretty funny moments, um, some some business in the in the bathroom and then out the window and all sorts of fun stuff that you can have in, in site-specific theatres. So I think that's one of the main attractions. Great. And uh, we didn't talk about it, but the other award that you won, the Joanna Murata Award, um, is all about mentorship. And uh, have you been able to sort of apply um, some of those skills? I mean, it's, it's ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're obviously mm-hmm. still, still learning. But um, have you noticed um, sort of uh, um, that uh, this version of tape has benefited from that? I think so. I mean, I'll be performing and producing in this one. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, a lot of my mentorship so far has been for directing and okay. producing. But um, but it's it's still yeah. I mean, you can always learn. I mean, I'm always learning from from everybody that I that I encounter. So, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the learning that's happened this year has been uh, focused on directing, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty exciting because I'm sort of an emerging director myself. Um, and I just recently got to assistant direct with Ron Jenkins um, in the the cult sh- uh, um, premiere of 1984. Mm-hmm, the adaptation, yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, such a fantastic experience. And I think mm. I'm going to be able to apply some of that stuff that I learned there to uh, Wicked Shorts uh, with you know when it comes to tech, lighting, and transitions. Because yeah. uh, Ron Jenkins just is just a magician when it comes to uh, incorporating design elements and. Mm. And that's inspiring, isn't it? Just the scale, and the the ambition of of uh, using all these these technological, you know, all these ideas, all these possibilities, and incorporating them into theater, right? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, now you mentioned blackouts there. That the show is very sort of immediate. Yes, uh, it's very. <laughs> you know, you're there in the hotel room, eighteen mm-hmm. <laughs> with eighteen friends or strangers. Yeah. And um, I just wonder where do you think. That style of theater, that approach is is better than others where you do use blackouts. Like I'm thinking of the blackout issue mm. in particular because a friend of mine, some actors, mm-hmm. they, they they hate them. They're like yeah. I hate blackouts. It ruins everything. Well, sometimes it can stop the uh, stop stop the, the so arc the momentum. Of the story, the momentum. Okay. And also, I think um, actually Ron said this to me during rehearsals is that blackouts can be very powerful if you wait for the right moment for them, if there's a really good reason other than, you know, just trying to get to the next scene. Mm. Um, because, uh, yeah, you can, you can use them for, uh, you know, for tension building or, or you know, if, if there's sound happening in that blackout mm. that's, that's telling, parting, telling a story. So sometimes right. they're good, but when they're misused or just used for no particular reason, it's sort of, yeah, it gets... For me, it gets tiresome. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's one of the fun things about this show is that you just the action never stops. Right. <laughs> you're always in it, and you're just you know you're taking on this little one-hour journey of of uh, excitement. And as an actor, isn't isn't it tougher <laughs> when the audience <laughs> is like right there and you can see them, you know, see yeah. their eyeballs? It's really, yeah, it gets a bit nerve-wracking, but it's exciting for us too, you know, because we it really keeps us on our toes, doesn't it? Yeah. We cannot. There's no, 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 no. There's no escape. Yeah, there's no escape. (laughs) They can tell exactly what you're thinking, you know? Uh, Even when you're in between the lines, there's there's no room for... uh, for BS, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to be really kind of honest and, yeah. and real, right? There's no, yeah. no room for BS, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. thanks very much. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. And that's Marissa Smith talking about uh, 
talking about tape and the immediacy of the performance, which I love, I love, I love, I love uh, seeing and being in shows where the audience is right there in, in front of you. I, I think it uh, it does it does bring an excellent uh, uh, feeling of immediacy and um, and it forces you to be a better actor. It makes you work harder, I think, and, and makes you give makes you forces you to give a better performance. So you can be one of those lucky eighteen uh, people sitting there, um, right there in that hotel room at the Waldorf. For uh, the tickets are fifteen dollars for that. It's cash only at the door. And that's happening from April 20th until the 24th. Uh, two shows, uh, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Three shows on the weekend, uh, matinees at 3 p.m. And Marissa really wanted me to stress that it is so important to get t- tickets early because there are only 18 seats, only 18, so they will go fast. And you can reserve tickets in advance by calling 604-671-9776. Or you can find that same number at our website at citr.ca. So check it out. All right. We've got one more feature for you, and this one is about a new book of poetry that celebrates and meditates on the work of playwright Samuel Beckett. It's called Beckett Soundings by Inga Israel. Her poems look to highlight the many paradoxes of Beckett's psyche. For example, while he enjoyed the company of close friends, he ultimately remained a solitary figure, an avid reader of the King James Bible, despite having no belief in it, a lover of classic literature, while despairing the inability of language to express anything meaningful. Indeed, Beckett often wrote and rewrote to simplify, to strip away wasteful words, leaving only the bare essentials. Um, and so I spoke to Inga Israel, and I asked, um, excuse me, and uh, I asked her, sorry, I'm just finding the interview. I'm alone today in the studio, okay? Give me a break. <laughs> Usually I have, I have help, uh, but um, I am in here by myself today. Anyway, um, I wanted to, you know, it looks like I don't have this interview ready, so we're going to take a commercial break, but... Um, but we'll tell you more about uh, Inga Israel's book, uh, Beckett Soundings, when we come back. Are you interested in radio but not quite sure how to get involved? CITR is the place for you. We are a volunteer-driven campus and community radio station with a variety of volunteer opportunities. Want to become an on-air programmer? Learn about promotions? Maybe become a news or arts reporter? Come learn about all the ways you can become involved at CITR. Volunteer orientations are held on the first Monday of every month at 6.30 p.m. If the first Monday falls on a statutory holiday, the orientation moves to the second Monday. Visit citr.ca for more information. Vancouver Folk Music Festival is proud to present Matt Epp and the Amorian Assembly Tuesday, April 12th at the St. James Hall in Kits. Touring from coast to coast in support of the new album, At Dawn, Matt Epp fuses the songwriting greatness of influences like Bob Dylan and Jonathan Richmond into something uniquely his own. I wasn't happy with you, can you be happy with me? It's not like a song
Don't miss Matt Epp and the Amorian Assembly Tuesday, April 12th at the St. James Hall in Kits. For tickets and more information, visit thefestival.bc.ca. And we're back on the Arts Report. Apologies for, for the mix-up there. I, I'm so used to having um, help in the studio here, uh, sound engineer, to, uh, to push buttons and have the clips ready for me that, frankly, I've become lazy. I've become, uh, I've become uh, weak and inefficient. And so, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, apologies for my inability to find the right interview <laughs> when it needs to be played. But anyway, we were talking about Beckett soundings. And specifically, we were talking about how he... Um, later in his career, he would uh, rewrite his drafts constantly to strip away. Like he would start out with all kinds of adjectives and long sentences and then would just keep cutting, cutting, trimming out words and phrases until he only had the very bare core of, of meaning left. So I wanted to ask author uh, and poet Inga Israel if, um, if that refinement is what attracted her to Beckett. Absolutely, yes. It, it was very uh, interesting that at first he didn't write like that at all. On the contrary, he was always very interested in puns and word games and, and that sort of thing and liked to use uh, words that were unusual or that he even coined, which was very much in the tradition of Joyce. And, of course, he admired Joyce tremendously in his early years. He, he looked up to him and... Uh, for the rest of his life only spoke in, in high esteem of Joyce and at that time he wrote in the style of Joyce but uh, later on uh, he completely changed and decided that he wanted to say less and less whereas Joyce wanted to say more and more hmm. and uh, he changed his style completely I think while he was with Joyce, um, Joyce was going blind at that time. Uh, he met him when, when he went to Paris, and Joyce was living in Paris. And uh, he was about 20 when he met Joyce, who was 20 years his senior. And because Joyce was going blind, he needed help with his writing, and he would dictate to, to Beckett. Hmm. And this was... Uh, at the time, he was writing Finnegan's Wake, and so he dictated parts of Finnegan's Wake to him, to Beckett. And Beckett, uh, of course, transcribed everything for him and must have been greatly influenced by, by the style and by everything that Joyce did and believed in. Right. But uh, he must also at the same time have felt some resentment, I think. I mean, it's never been said by anybody as <laughs> far as I know. But his own um, ability to write was forming at that time. And uh, he, in fact, said some things which Joyce included in his writing because Joyce included everything everybody said in his writing. And I think he, he, he never thanked anybody for it or acknowledged anything like that. And I felt that there must have been a little resentment against Joyce on Beckett's part, even though he never acknowledged it. And perhaps this helped him to turn away from that style of writing. Hmm. Uh, now tell me about how you uh, put together uh, these these poems. Um, just give me a sense of how you went about that. Did you, for example, you know, 
see a play a Beckett play and then uh, you know break out uh, a notepad or or was it um, through other kinds of research how did you um, sort of find the inspiration for each individual poem well uh, it's a mixture of things I did see some of the plays I didn't take notes no I, I just let them sink in yeah. and thought about them later and I also read many many of his writings I mean there, there are such there's such a large number of them, very short, some of them, and others not so short. And uh, I felt my way into his writing and into his sensibilities. But I also read uh, three different biographies of him and then uh, certain books which have come out recently, such as uh, his edited letters, although they only covered a period up to 19... Uh, 39, I think, or 1940. Um, the letters that followed later have not yet been published. Would you consider this almost a, a biography of sorts? Not really, no. I think it's mostly uh, an analysis of how his mind might have worked mm -hmm. and what he was affected by and so on. What do you think he would think of it? <laughs> that's a tough question, right? Uh, that, that's a very difficult question, which I asked myself throughout the writing of this book. I kept wondering, would he be very cross with me? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he would not. I hope he would have understood what I was trying to do, which was namely to understand him. Hmm. Well, we've quickly run out of time. Is there anything you'd want to mention about the book before we, we get a, a sample of it? Well, I hope that uh, readers will not find it too difficult. Um, I, I do explore many different uh, philosophical ideas that Beckett was interested in, but I also try to state all these things in very simple terms as his own writing was. And that's Inga Israel talking about Beckett soundings. Now, uh, in that interview, we we talked about how there must have been uh, some resentment, a little bit of um, a little bit of negativity, shall we say, uh, towards uh, Joyce because of uh, how much work uh, Joyce got Beckett. Uh, how much work he got out of Beckett in terms of uh, transcribing and writing. So, um, so here is uh, Inga. Uh, sort of um, going along that idea, uh, inspired by that idea, and writing this uh, poem called uh, Style. My writing stinks of Joyce. Why does only his way interest me? His weak voice, oh, how deceptive. It marshals every available force, culminates in a powerhouse of language and his own convictions. He is the greatest heir to Shakespeare without the shadow of a doubt, but always has known it since well before he wrote a thing. Ought to get the Nobel, deserves it, enthralled to his voracious appetite for words, for puns. He laps up everyone else's too. Must if he is to fill gargantuan volumes, the most unread literary masterpieces of all time. Could I outjoice him? Perhaps not. Being prey to endless doubts. What matter? The world cannot bear more than one such maelstrom. And that's style 
poem by Inga Israel from the book Beckett Soundings, which is now available in stores from Ronsdale Press, and it's uh, $15. All right, well, we've quickly uh, come to the very end of this week's Arts Report. Uh, next week, we are going to do a feature on Dress Me Up In Your Love, which will be coming to the Coach after Shane Koizan's show when I was a kid. And we'll also uh, speak to a couple of folks from Pump Trolley. That's a uh, comedy and improv uh, troupe team gang um they're doing a show in the next little while as well so they came over to our studios for an interview we'll speak to them and um and lots uh lots more in the days and weeks ahead so uh join us next week now i never give away uh, the tickets for vancouver fashion week and uh so what i'm gonna do is make it available to the next person who messages me on uh twitter or uh, facebook so you've got to go to citr.ca if you're not connected yet, and there you'll find uh, the links to uh, Twitter at the end of our blog post. It says click here to follow us on uh, Twitter. Here, click here to see our Facebook page, all that stuff. So all you have to do is go to citr.ca and be the first person to ask for the VIP pass to Vancouver Fashion Week, uh, which is going on uh, right now until the week end. So check that out. And uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast from that page. Uh, That's all uh, for me uh, this week. Uh, Thanks for uh, listening. And um, yeah, yeah, oh, right. Uh, This is CITR 101.9 FM. And coming up next is Discorder Radio. Have a wonderful week. See some shows. And yes, go vote. Uh.